All right, welcome to another episode of True Crime Bookcast. For those of you who are just joining us, we are on Instagram at True Crime Books 12, Facebook at True Crime Bookcast, and um, you can just email us at truecrimebooks12 at gmail.com. Also, due to certain circumstances, we aren't really discussing books anymore, so I kind of painted myself into a corner with that name. Um, I do want to recommend a movie starting this episode off. Um, little background information, I guess. I had briefly, in passing, heard about The West Memphis 3, which is what we are going to be talking about today. It was not my intentions to do this one um, soon, as I never really thought about it, but I happened to be watching a movie on Netflix the other day called Devil's Knot, and I got like really, really into it. It is a great movie, Um, and then at the end, it was stating like things that um, um, happened to these boys. Um, what they got sentenced to, whatever. And that's when I was like, huh, is this based on a true story? So I looked it up and of course, yes, um, it is based on the West Memphis three. So I got great idea that, um, this is what I should share for this episode because I did really, really enjoy it. Um, if you're not familiar with this, well, get ready to have your world rocked. And if you are familiar with this, I did leave out some information, and we'll get to that when we get to it. Um, So if you're yelling at me because you think I'm missing important things, I am so sorry. Okay, so we're going to start off, I'm sorry. May 5th, 1993, Steve Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers were reported missing These um, were three little second graders in the town of West Memphis. Um, They were reported missing, I think, around 7 or 8 o'clock that night um, by Christopher Byers' stepdad. And immediately, people in the community community began searching for these boys, From what I understand, it's a very tight-knit community. Um, You know, everybody knows everybody, small town type thing. And uh, so they went searching the woods where they were last seen going into. That night, they didn't have any successful findings. But the next day, the boys were found in the river or creek bed, whatever it is. Um, all three of the boys were naked and they were bound with their own shoelaces. Uh, they were tied in a way that if the water was deep enough, like they couldn't reach the bottom, there was no way they could swim because their legs were behind their back and so were their hands and they were tied together. Um, the autopsy said, um, report stated that Byers, he died of multiple injuries, and Moore and Branch died of multiple injuries with drowning. 
So um, we're going to move on. If you already know the ending of the story, I'm going to introduce um, some suspects that they had during the trial or I'm sorry, during the investigation. Um, three suspects, Jesse, Miss Kelly, he was 17, Jason Baldwin, who was 16, and Damian Eccles, who was 18, were um, considered prime suspects in the case. Um, Baldwin had been arrested previously for vandalism and shoplifting, um, but he had great grades when he was in school. He was good at drawing. Um, Eccles was also previously arrested for vandalism and shoplifting. He dropped out of school, uh, was raised in a poor family, um, often had um, visits from CPS or social workers, and uh, he spent several months in a mental institution previously for, um, like, delusions, hallucinations, mood swings, etc. Him and Baldwin were actually friends, you know, inside, outside school, however. And then there's Miss Kelly. Um, He was known to have anger issues and He often got into physical altercations with other kids at school, Um, and he also did drop out of school. He wasn't necessarily close with Baldwin or Eccles. They were more like acquaintances from school. Um, There were two other teenage suspects, Chris Morgan and Brian Holland, Both had history with drugs, um, drug offenses, and both of them immediately left town after the murders took place. However, both were arrested in Oceanside, California, and when they were given a lie detector test, they both failed when questioned about their involvement in the murder of the boys. And then another last final suspect um, is referred to as Mr. Bojangles. The evening the boys went missing, uh, this man stumbled into the restaurant called Bojangles. The manager said he appeared disoriented um, and that he was bleeding. And he went to the restroom, kind of dragging himself along the side of the wall, leaving just just trail of blood on the walls. So, the manager called the police, um, but the time that they arrived at the restaurant, the man was already gone. Um, The police officer who came never even got out of his car. He questioned the manager through the drive-thru and didn't even go into the restaurant that night. Um, But eventually, they did collect some evidence Um, but during the trial, the detective or the police officer did state that he lost that evidence. Um, so this is kind of where we get into more so the three boys who were eventually convicted, which was Eccles, Miss Kelly, and Baldwin.
Okay, um, so the town kind of believed that there was like a occult overtone to this entire murder. Um, and mind you that this is a town within the Bible Belt. Um, and in that movie, The Devil's Not, you can really sense the whole um, like religious aspect of the community. Like everybody went to church, you know. I think even the school that these little second graders went to was a, um, like Christian school or something. So, um, they start thinking that this is the work of somebody who worships the devil, which essentially drew them towards, um, Damien Eccles. Um, in the movie, they kind of touch on, the fact that he had mentioned before that he was a Wiccan or uh, previously a Wiccan or something. And so they automatically are like, this is the work of Satan. Um, so this is the work of Eccles. Um, when he was arrested, he did fail a lie detector test asking, you know, his involvement in the murders. <clears throat> Um, and then they started questioning Miss Kelly. Um, and at the time, Miss Kelly, I think, was 17. Um, yeah, he was 17, so he was um, still needed parent permission for people, the detectives, the police, whatever, to interview him. However, they questioned him for 12 hours without parental consent. During that 12 hours, less than an hour, I think it was close to 45 minutes, was recorded. The rest of that was not. So in that part of the recording, they essentially, it appears like they recorded what they wanted to hear. That would help convict him. Um, Miss Kelly was not a very intelligent boy. He had an IQ of 72. And he later said that he was forced into confession. Um, he was coerced, co co coerced, coerced, um, and intimidated by the police officers. After he did confess, he immediately recanted it. Um, but after this confession, or with the confession, all three boys were arrested. I didn't go into extreme details. This is where I left some stuff out. Um, in the movie, he gave these answers that did not really match what happened. Like, he said that the boys were bound with rope, which was false. They were bound with their own shoelaces. And if you, you know, you took part in this crime and you helped bind these boys then you would know that it was their shoelaces and that it wasn't rope. Um, so, and I don't remember, I think it had to do with the confession. Miss um, Kelly had a separate tri trial from Eccles and, um, what's his name? Doo -doo -doo, Baldwin. Okay, so um, during Miss Kelly's trial, an expert on false confessions said um his was a like classic very classic example of what police coercion 
would make a confession look like. So he basically said that it was fake. Um, some inconsistencies were noted throughout each time he spoke or gave this quote unquote confession. Um, and essentially a lot of the details that he gave were incorrect. Um, but you know, this little town, uh, was convinced that these three boys murdered these small children. So he was eventually charged with one count of first degree murder and two counts of second degree murder. He was sentenced to life plus 40 years. Um, and during Eccles and Baldwin's trial, um, they accused the boys and said this was like a satanic murder. Again, they were so like honed in on this being um, the work of the devil or, you know, a satanic cult. Um, Eccles thought that the information that linked him to the crime. Um, wait. Oh, so I'm sorry. So the information that linked him to the crime, like things that he knew um, or, you know, them saying that he was part of this satanic cult or that he said this about the murders or he said this about, you know, what happened that day were all lies. Um, They were made up by the police officers or detectives, whoever was um, recording or I'm sorry, interviewing him. Because there were no recordings of these things that the police officers was, were, I'm sorry, were reporting him to have said. So, you know, they said that he, um, I'm trying to remember one of the things that they accused him of. (sighs) I don't remember. Sorry. But regardless, both were found guilty of three counts of murder. Baldwin was sentenced to life in prison and Eccles was sentenced to the death, to the death penalty or death. I don't know. So, um, there was just, uh, you know, an abundance of misdoings during this trial and, you know, evidence kept popping up afterwards, you know, prior to, or, Whatever. After these these kids are sentenced to, um, you know, essentially life in prison and, and death, um, they continually got some new evidence that eventually led to a plea deal for these boys. So in 2011, all three boys were released from prison. They It was on a um, plea deal called the Alford plea deal, which they essentially plead guilty but still proclaim their innocence more so just verbally. Um, so they got released on time served. So that was close to, I think, 19 years. Um, after they got released, there was a lot of advocacy for them, for, you know, um, all these misdoings and wrong turns that these detectives took and the police took, um, especially looking at other suspects, you know, because they were so convinced that this were this this crime was very satanic and it was a ritual that they had essentially 
Um, so I highly suggest you go look up more information on it because it is so stinking interesting and I just didn't have the time to get into super details with it. Um, cause there is a lot of evidence that definitely points to somebody else. Some, um, believe that the stepfather of Byers and, um, Branch both had maybe something to do with it which is super interesting, again, so I suggest you look it up because it's awesome. <clears throat> so, um, and again, once they got out of prison, there was a lot, a lot of advocacy for them. People were creating, um, you know, advocacy support groups for them. There were a lot of musicians that actually wrote songs about the West Memphis Three. There's, like, a long list of them that I didn't want to write down, so I didn't, but simple Google search will tell you everything you need to know. Um, after they were released from prison, um, Miss Kelly got engaged to his high school girlfriend and then enrolled in a community college to become a mechanic. Baldwin um, did not, and this was interesting to me, did not want to take the plea deal because he was saying, I can't say that I'm guilty you know, I'm not guilty. I did not kill these boys. You know, almost 19 years later, he's still professing his innocence and did not want to take the plea deal. However, he stated that if he did not take the plea deal, then Miss Kelly could not take the plea deal and Eccles could not take the plea deal. Or maybe it was just Eccles. I'm sorry, because they were tried separately. Um, that Eccles could not take that plea deal if he did not plead guilty as well, which means that Eccles would stay on death row. And he, and he, you know, is quoted saying that that is not justice. And that's true. If Eccles is innocent, then he, sh you know, that's a terrible thing to have to be put to death for something that you didn't do. So um, eventually Baldwin did take the plea deal. <clears throat> Um, he was in a relationship after he got out of jail with um, a woman that he actually engaged with while in prison. They became friends while he was in prison. They, I don't know if they got in a relationship before he got out or after. Um, and he work, ended up working for a construction company. Now, Eccles uh, did marry. Um, he had a lot of problems with his mental health the entire time, you know, so so before the murders, and then, um, I'm sorry, I, that was like a giggle, but it wasn't meant to be a giggle, it's not funny, um, and then while he's in prison, and then after he's, you know, continued to have uh, mental health issues, which, from what I read, he did seek help for, and uh, he began pursuing a career in writing and arts. He did have, um, I think, a memoir published, um, some art pieces and stuff. So he seemed to, um, be doing fairly well in that area. <clears throat> there is still a crap ton of information on these guys. And again, um, the investigation evidence and stuff, it's very, very heavy with different theories of what happened, um, evidence, Yada, yada, yada. So I suggest that you look it up because it was really, really interesting. And again, that movie that I watched that really made me want to talk about this was called The Devil's Knot. 
such a good movie. And I believe that it was actually a book too. And the way that the movie is created, it kind of does at the end point you towards these boys being innocent without getting too much into it. So my automatic thought on this was that they were innocent. Um, it's one of those like making a murderer thing. I don't know if you've seen that um, with, what's his name? Stephen, Stephen Avery. Um, which is, he, you know, is proclaiming his innocence of the murder of a young lady. Anyways, we're not talking about Stephen Avery. Um, so I, I understand too that like, you know, when people make movies, they write books, whatever, they can definitely play to the side that they favor. But after looking up some more information, you know, it's, 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 there's not a answer that just appeases everybody and every piece of evidence and, you know, any of that, because, yeah, Eccles failed his lie detector test, but those two other boys that were questioned also failed their lie detector test. And then the evidence that points towards Byers' stepdad is just weird. And, I mean, there's just a lot to it. And I think maybe it is a lot more complicated than anybody could have imagined. So, either way, look it up because it's crazy. Um, and then definitely let me know what you think. Um, do you think that they're innocent? Do you think that they're guilty? Who do you think did it? Um, how do you feel about them spending 19 years in jail and then being released? You know, just what are your thoughts on such a pretty, like, what what do I would call it? Heavy hitter, like, famous, pop, popular murder. Um, terrible murder of three little kids. Um, well, anyways, thank you for joining us this week, and we look forward to having you next week. Bye.